Welcome back, listener, to Discussing Marvel, a casual fan podcast. I am your host, Irving, along with... Your other host, Eddie. And Eddie, what are we discussing today? Today we are discussing a Marvel classic, the original X-Men movie. It was released on July 14th, 2000. Oh my god, Eddie, that was like almost 21 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm just going to crawl in a hole and die. (laughs) Let's talk about this cast because this cast is actually, it's pretty amazing. And not to be one of those old people, but some of these actors are the only actors I recognize as these characters. Yes. And I don't know if it's because I feel like actors are getting shorter or actors are just like are meant to look like they're 16 for their whole lives. But when I see an actor playing a character and like first class or like even Dark Phoenix, I'm just like, you look like you're 13, though. Like, I can't take you seriously as Cyclops. Like, the only Cyclops for me is always going to be James Marsden. Like, yeah, (laughs) what a hottie, like definitely an early crush in my life. My little developing brain could not handle it. (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. We also have Sir Patrick Stewart as Professor X, Sir Ian McKellen as Magneto, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, which was a controversial casting back in the day. As I mentioned, James Marsden as Cyclops. Famkin Jensen as Jean Grey, Halle Berry as Storm, Anna Packin as Rogue, and Rebecca Romaine as Mystique. And the official synopsis of the movie is, The X-Men, a group of mutants with extraordinary powers, wage a fight against both intolerance and a fellow band of radical mutants intent on exterminating the human race. That seems a little extreme. It does. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't trying to exterminate them. He was trying to basically convert them into the club. Yes. So, Eddie, what are your memories of this amazing film? I feel like this movie was always available to watch. I didn't own it, but... I feel like we would always go and rent it somewhere. Or someone because, owned it. Yeah. It, it, it came out at the time where this was like on everyone's DVD shelf. Mm-hmm. It was like this, The Matrix, Fight Club. And if you were a girly, Emily. Like those were like, like, the top, like the core DVDs that everyone owned. And then everything else was like those cheap $6 bin movies. But (laughs) (laughs) I feel like X-Men was like one of the first DVDs that many people owned. Yes. And it was just the first superhero movie that was out there. I think Blade came out first, but that was not like automatically that's a superhero. Yeah. Like the X-Men. Yes. Like, I grew up watching the X-Men cartoons, so seeing this, seeing a live-action X-Men movie was so cool. And 
seeing just these characters from the animated shows come to life was pretty awesome. And as a kid who grew up watching the cartoons, I was like, oh man, I want more. And then we got Spider-Man after that. (laughs) Yeah, we definitely did get a lot of superhero films pretty close to each other in the early 2000s. And I mean, yeah, X-Men was definitely the first one that truly felt like a recognizable hero movie. What about you? What about your early memories? I remember watching this in the theater. Most of my friends growing up were about four years older than I was. So at this point, I was about 11 when this movie came out. So I was at that perfect age. And I remember it being like the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I watched it a lot growing up. Like you, I would rent it all the time because it was one of like the only movies that I could rent and my parents would allow me to rent. And because they could enjoy it as well with me. And I had friends that owned it, so it was watched a lot. I remember watching the animated series as a kid, so the hype was real. I remember having the toys that were tie-in with the movie, and it was just a lot of fun. It's definitely very different Yeah, watching it for this episode after we've seen over 10 years worth of modern comic book movies this Mm -hmm. one definitely had a different tone and the flow was a lot different there wasn't much action in this film no yeah but the few scenes we got are like imprinted in my brain yes i think the last time i saw this film was probably over 13 years ago 13 14 because i feel like it was everywhere then it was nowhere to be found yeah (laughs) i'm not gonna pay to watch these films, okay? I'm going to stream them for free, and if they're not in any of my streaming services, I'm not going to watch them. (laughs) I definitely bought the Steelbook Blu-ray because it was the first time it was coming out on Blu-ray, so I was like, I need to have this because there were just so many great memories watching these X-Men movies. Of course, I got the second one too. The third one, no. (laughs) we'll forget about that one (laughs) but the second first and second one i definitely got when they came out on blu-ray yeah and even though i have not seen it in 13 years i still remembered all those iconic lines like i was just saying them with the film because i just watched it so much as a kid and i just love that i love that there's been so many superhero movies that have come out in the last 21 years and that every child and adult has their own movie where they can basically say the same thing, where they know every line, they know every joke, and they have a crush on all the characters. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's another thing. Everyone in this movie is hot. Yeah. Like, everyone. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, Ian McKellen can get it. <laughs> like, in the 2000s, yeah, they were old, because I feel like these men have been old my entire life, but they were still pretty attractive when this film yeah. came out. And it doesn't look like they even aged. Like I've seen them in Days of Future Past and they look the same as they did in this one. (laughs) Yeah, no, they definitely have aged gracefully. Yeah. It's all that Shakespearean acting experience is keeping them young. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was definitely a fun rewatch. And let's be honest, we just watched the first one so we can get to X2. Yes, for which, sure. Which, if I had some great memories with the first X-Men movie, man, X2, I think that is the movie that made me fruity. Because <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so good. I, I, of course, watched it like right after this one. And it, it was a fun double movie because it actually flows right into itself. Yeah. Now, you can definitely tell that they had the groundwork for a good trilogy. And like you said, the third one just kind of threw everything out the window and last Jedi the crap out of that. <laughs> and this is the point in the podcast where we give our mandatory spoiler warning for a movie that is 21 years old. So if you have not watched the original X-Men, what are you doing? Like get on it before multiverse of madness, because I'm pretty sure that Kevin Feige is just struggling to get everyone that he can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And with that, let's take it from the top. So the movie opens up with a narrator explaining evolution. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. I love this. It's a quick, to-the-point way of explaining what's up with them. Yeah, and we didn't get an origin story for any of them. It was really simple and quick and i feel like we didn't need to have an origin story yeah it definitely didn't need to explain too much because they just assumed if you're here it's because you kind of have an idea of who these characters are well and i feel like that's why they picked the x-men to make a movie about them because they were marvel's most popular characters so i mean let's be honest i think the joke that once the x-men come into the mcu that no one's gonna care about the avengers is probably true <laughs> yes <laughs> and because these x-men are very powerful and we'll get to it but the way that they have to sideline certain characters because they could end the film in two seconds is like that's the, that's a real struggle with these yeah. films and we actually do get an origin story and is for Magneto. We yeah. see Nazi-occupied Poland in 1944, and we see a young Eric is separated from his parents upon entering Auschwitz. And while he's attempting to reach them, that's when his powers get activated and we see him bend a metal gate towards him. And talk about a powerful scene. Yeah. Just the way the fence looked when he was done is like one of those scenes that are just like engraved into my brain. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me excited when they announced that they were going to make 
these origin story movies because Magneto was one of those origin story movies that they were gonna make and it ended up not being done so I was disappointed because like you said that scene was very powerful and to take place back in Nazi Germany it's it's very emotional and it's history. So that was the scary part. Yeah. And I know we got a lot more of his storyline in the new reboot of the X-Men, but you're right. Like it would have been great to have just an original standalone origin story for him. But I think his character really works when he has kind of that conflict with Charles because it's kind of like the duality of it. He went through that. Charles didn't. So that's why he, they kind of have conflicting ideologies Mm -hmm. and that's kind of my not just i don't think it's just my concern but a lot of people's concerns with them reintroducing the x-men is how are they going to keep magneto's powerful origin story if it's set today because he would be extremely old yeah so that's going to be a very difficult challenge because i don't think that there's anything in the last 25 years that could traumatize him without completely changing the character mm-hmm. in that way. We cut to Mississippi and we see that Rogue has accidentally put her boyfriend into a coma after she kisses him because her ability is to absorb the power and life force of others. And man, talk about a traumatic experience. Yeah. <laughs> I remember what. I remember just recently watching the animated episode that this movie or that rogue story was based off of. And it was like spot on, very similar to the movie. So it was pretty cool to see where they got their ideas from. Yeah, I would be traumatized if the first time I kissed someone, they almost died. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We see that. Senator Robert Kelly is attempting to pass the Mutant Registration Act in Congress, and that would eventually force mutants to reveal themselves and their abilities. And it almost reminds me of the Sokovia Courts, where basically they just want to know who's who at all times. And he basically does a good job at fear-mongering, and I love when Gene is pleading her case and she says that well people driving is also lethal to other civilians and he kind of comments that well we give people a driver's license to drive and she's like yeah but we can't give people a license to live and i just thought that was pretty interesting for the year 2000 because i feel like we still have the same conversations now yep over and over again (laughs) And we see that Magneto and Professor X were there, and the professor has a small chit-chat with Magneto. Eric. What are you doing here? Why do you ask questions to which you already know the answers? Don't give up on them, Eric. What will you have me do, Charles? I've heard these arguments before. It was a long time ago. Mankind has evolved since then. Yes, 
into us. Bring you hope, old friend. And I ask only one thing in return. Don't get in my way. I mean, Magneto's right. They are the evolution. Yeah. So, if only he knew that in 21 years, we'd be basically going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like, Eric is not going to wait around and let legislation pass or not pass. He's like, um, the humans are the ones that are doing this to us. Why am I going to wait for them to prevent it from escalating? Yeah. And yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation to have when it comes to marginalized groups is you just kind of expect them to just sit around and wait. Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is the problem with the human race in general <laughs> always trying to control everything and it's tiring i'm ready to move to mexico and retire let's go <laughs> <laughs> we see rogue arrive in alberta canada where she meets Logan, who is working under the stage name of Wolverine. We love to see it. And he basically is making a living beating the crap out of people. I love the obligatory shirtless shots that Hugh Jackman basically has to do in all these films. <laughs> yes. Because if he's not half naked, is he even a Wolverine? Yeah. We see that he and Rogue are kicked out for being mutants and i just love that shot of the claw coming out of his fist even though it's like you can tell that the cg hasn't aged well that is just a cool shot to have it's like right in your face yeah we see that they are attacked by Sabretooth, and i kind of wish that they would have done more with his character because he just stands around and looks pretty most of the time yeah. <laughs> yes Considering that Eric only has, like, three people on his team, most of them don't do anything. Yeah. Except for Mystique. She does it all. She does. Luckily for them, they are saved by Cyclops and Storm. And this is one of those, like, few action scenes we have, but everything is, like, very... It's very toned down. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like they don't have control of their powers like everyone just looks extremely tense but i think it's because back then they didn't know how how do you pretend that you're shooting something or you're conjuring something other than just standing there and looking extremely stiff with your eyes bulging out <laughs> yes i think that's one of the wonderful things that elizabeth olsen has given us with the character of wanda is that she made it like a flowy dancer move with her fingers and the way she backbends herself, like it actually feels like something is coming out of her. Mm -hmm. 
And here, everyone just stands there and looks like they're trying to hold in a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Mystique. She was basically carrying the entire action scenes on her back. Yes, she was. We see Wolverine and Rogue are brought to Xavier's mansion, which is a school for mutants, and it's in Westchester County in New York, and I would love to live there. Yes. Those kids are living the Hogwarts fantasy. Yes, and I'm glad we saw in later movies that how the school was built. Yeah. we did, And we got an origin story of how he came up with the idea of having a school for the gifted. Yeah, I mean, whenever I watch a movie, I'm always like, hmm, I wonder how this building was built. I want to see that story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We see Professor X. Uh, basically having to explain to Logan the school because he is extremely freaked out because he has no idea, number one, where he's at or how he got there. But I think he does a pretty good job. And I kind of like that they bring up the fact that why do they call themselves names? Because when he introduces each one, he's like, also known as Storm and... This hottie over here is also known as Cyclops. And his response is, and what do they call you? Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty funny joke. <laughs> and no, it, la- it really was. Yeah, I laughed because sometimes these jokes don't age well, but it was funny because it's like, oh, we have real names, but this is our made-up name. Kind of like with Peter Parker and Spider-Man. No, yeah, definitely. So it kind of pokes fun at having to have these elaborate incognito names because they look good on paper, but once you say them out loud, it's like, okay, this is a little funny. We then see Professor X go into more detail explaining the school. Anonymity is a mutant's first defense against the world's hostility. To the public, we're merely a school for gifted youngsters. Cyclops, Storm, and Jean were some of my first students. I protected them, taught them to control their powers, and in time, teach others to do the same. The students are mostly runaways, frightened, alone, Some with gifts so extreme that they've become a danger to themselves and those around them. Like your friend Rogue, incapable of physical human contact, probably for the rest of her life. And yet here she is, with others her own age, learning, being accepted, not feared. Sorry. I'm Bobby. What's your name? Rogue. What'll happen to her? Well, that's up to her. Rejoin the world as an educated young woman, or stay on to teach others, to become what the children have affectionately called X-Men. Welcome to Mutant High. I remember watching that scene and just thinking how cool it was seeing everybody with their powers. 
Yeah, and I love this because it gives the explanation of what they're doing and it gives the people who didn't grow up with comics or didn't grow up with Marvel or the cartoon an explanation of what he's trying to do with these mutants. No, yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be the most difficult part is that the X-Men comes in as a group and group movies are just hard to give everybody an opportunity to shine, give everybody the opportunity to tell us their wants, needs, and desires, who they are, what they do, why they do it, all that good stuff. And having villains that they can fight and have us care for the villains, because now that's like the big thing. If if you don't care for the bad guy, then why even have him there? Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, they would never be able to do a scene like that now because every single character would have to be the cast person to play that in future films. Yeah. Like we, we see Kitty early in the in the film and they recast her when she actually gets an actual role. And this was the first time I noticed that Jubilee was in that classroom. Yeah. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, and they did nothing with her. but i'm excited to see what they do moving forward in the future but i do not envy kevin feige and having to figure out how he's going to pull this off in the future yeah it's gonna be tough but with the way things are going and the introduction of different characters i feel like they definitely have a good idea of what they're doing yeah and i know it's gonna be great i just hope it's not like mortal kombat where they have to basically divide the characters into like well we're only gonna give them half of the core team and then the other half is gonna be in the sequel but we'll tease them (laughs) (laughs) we see that senator kelly is abducted by Mystique and Toad. And I think this is the best character reveal in any movie. Like, when she just transforms from basic guy to amazing Mystique, I'm dead. Yeah. It's so good. The CGI was really good for it being in a movie that or in an era that didn't really use a lot of cgi and they used more practical effects this was kind of like the first of many superhero movies that pushed that envelope forward in cgi and her makeup that makeup is amazing that is nine hours in the chair (laughs) yes Jennifer Lawrence could never. No. And she didn't. Like, by the third one, she's like, you know what, guys? Just put a little bit of paint, a little freckle here. We're good to go. They'll buy it. They know who I am. (laughs) Yes. And I feel like this Mystique was so much better than Jennifer Lawrence Mystique. Oh, yeah. This Mystique, well, she she was giving it to every. She was giving it. When she fights with her feet, which I think is iconic on its own. 
she gets her own like little musical score whenever she's on camera, which is what we all need. Yeah. And she has that line that has stuck with me since I saw this film for the very first time. And she tells him, it's people like you that I was afraid to go to school when I was a little girl. And as a gay man, that has just stuck with me when I see some of these politicians where it's like, it's people like you that I was afraid to be a child. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, Mystique, I would be on her team. If she told me to jump off the building, I'd be like, well, she knows what's best for me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And there's Toad as well. Like, he's just like, whatever. I'm wondering how they decided who they were going to put in this film. And if, like, special effects was kind of what the barrier was because mm-hmm. i think there's so many other mutants especially like on magneto's side that they could have put but they kind of went with it's almost like they blew the whole budget on mystique <laughs> yes <laughs> mystique and wolverine's claws i mean because even in the sequel there's like <laughs> okay you guys still didn't bring in that many people <laughs> yeah we learn about logan's powers and that he's able to heal his body extremely quick and he has adamantium graft into his skeleton and it's indestructible. So that's going to be fun when they introduce that into the MCU as well, because now you're going to have competing metals. Metals, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm here for it. I think vibranium kind of has a monopoly right now and it kind of needs to stop. Yes. We see Magneto use Senator Kelly as a test subject for a machine that he is able to power with his magnetic abilities and it basically turns humans into mutants and i will line up so quick <laughs> yes <laughs> i don't care what my power is i just where do i sign up <laughs> we see that unfortunately this actually takes a lot out of magneto and it weakens him pretty bad but it works senator kelly becomes a mutant he which he then later uses his abilities to escape. So it's not what he wanted, but it was pretty close. Yeah. We then get one of the most traumatizing parts of the movie for me when I was a kid. And it's when Rogue sees that Wolverine is having a nightmare and she tries to wake him up and he just stabs her like straight through the (laughs) chest. And man, Like I said, it was very traumatizing, and we get to see her healing abilities one more time. It was definitely intense, and just seeing her use her powers to use his regenerating abilities was pretty cool, but that's something that they... shied away from in the movie as in the comics she now has that ability once she absorbs it so i guess this is a way of not making her very powerful and just having that ability stay in her for a little while but in the comics and in the animated series she was able to do that once she absorbed the power so Oh my god, one of my favorite one is uh, in X-Men Evolutions when they're trying to film that video of them dancing and Rogue is like, I don't know how to dance or like she just doesn't do it. 
And she's like, well, just absorb some of Kitty's dancing abilities. And she kind of does a little finger tap. And then they're basically both just living their best lives dancing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what I would use that ability for. I'd be like, you know what? I suck at dancing. Let me make some money on TikTok here. Let me get some dancing abilities. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she almost kills them too, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. We then see that she is convinced by Bobby to leave the school because you are never supposed to use your powers on a fellow mutant. And that Professor Xavier is extremely angry with her. But then we learn that it wasn't really him, but it was Mystique. And she truly is like the most dangerous one you can have. Yeah. We see that more in the sequel, but the fact that she's not only able to replicate someone, but even down to the genetics of their eye so that Cerebro thinks that it's Professor X, Mm -hmm. which we see her do to basically sabotage it. Yeah. So after using Cerebro to find Rogue, Wolverine basically leaves ahead of everybody and catches her on the train. And he convinces her to return back to the school. But before they can leave, Magneto and his team arrives and basically knocks <laughs> Wolverine out and he takes Rogue. And I think the best part is when Wolverine is like, what do you want with me? And Magneto's like, who said I wanted you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would I would die. If, <laughs> if I shot my shot and I was rejected like that, Eddie, I would... Mm, you know what, Magneto? Just just tear me in half right now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Toad gets rid of Cyclops's goggles and he shoots through the building. Because he doesn't really do much, even though he basically has guns as eyeballs. Yeah. He's just there to be the pretty face of the x-men <laughs> it, well it uh, it really does feel like they're obviously adults but their graphs on their powers are like teenagers yeah but when we see them as teenagers i feel like they have better use of their powers than they did in this one yes it definitely did feel like they were working on a budget and they tried to figure out when and when they shouldn't use their powers Mm -hmm. we see that professor x attempts to stop magneto by mentally controlling uh saber tooth he is forced to release that hold on him when magneto threatens the police with another iconic scene when he lifts those police cars in the air so good yeah (laughs) and the guns when they grab all the guns and he has them pointed at them. It's like, oh, I don't know why, but that was just so exciting. Mm-hmm. And when he shoots, oh, as a kid, I was like, oh, no, because I'm an, I'm an anxious adult. I was an even more anxious kid. <laughs> yeah, seeing that bullet just stop there was really, really cool. 
and, and he, scary at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and for him to mention that, oh, I don't know if I can stop them all, sweetie, you lifted an entire stadium. Like you probably could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Magneto leaves with Rogue, and Logan is very impatient with everybody, especially the X Men, and he decides that he's going to find Rogue himself. Where are you going? I'm going to find her. How? The traditional way. Look. Logan, you can't do this alone. Who's going to help me? You? So far, you've all done a bang-up job. Then help us. Fight with us. Fight with you? Or join the team? Be an X-Man? Who the hell do you think you are? You're a mutant. The whole world out there is full of people that hate and fear you, and you're wasting your time trying to protect them? i got better things to do. You know, Magneto's right. There's a war coming. Are you sure you're on the right side? At least I've chosen a side. I love Storm. Yeah. She is definitely one of the most iconic X-Men and has probably one of the best powers because it's so cool. <laughs> no, yeah, and... We'll see it later on, but she definitely seems to be the wisest in the group. And we love her for that. And I mean, it's true. At least she's she's chosen a side. Logan is just trying to... He imprinted on Rogue, and he just wants to keep her safe. Yeah. <laughs> and, which is funny, because it's kind of like the storyline throughout the entire trilogy is, where's Rogue? Mm -hmm. Which is a disservice to the character of Rogue, where the whole time she's just like this helpless victim that needs saving. Yeah. Which could be a little annoying at times. For sure. <laughs> we see that Senator Kelly has arrived at the school and they use him to figure out where Magneto is and they realize what he's trying to do and that that machine that he developed nearly killed him. So now they're like, oh, this is why he took Rogue. What I'm trying to figure out is, how did he know that was her power? I don't know. That is true because he wouldn't. And the only person who is able to go into other mutants' minds is Charles. So Yeah, it's never really explained unless they used... I know that Cerebro was developed by both of them but i don't i still don't understand how he knew about her and her powers so early on mm -hmm. unless especially he, unless they did a report yeah and especially since she had just gotten her powers through that kiss that she had with that boy yeah like unless that was reported on and word got out and that's why she ran away like i don't see how else he would have known we see that Senator Kelly rejects the mutation and his body dissolves into liquid. And that was pretty scary. That was, yeah. I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell that that was man or couch. It was just, he just blew up like, like a water balloon. <laughs> <laughs> we see Professor X attempt to locate Rogue using Cerebro, but... Since Mystique threw a little goo in there, he falls into a coma. And you know why? 
because they gotta sideline him somehow or else yeah. he could end the movie. Mm-hmm. And we see this a lot. We saw this with Doctor Strange in Endgame where he is extremely powerful. So what do we do to sideline him so we can give Tony his moment to shine? I don't know. Water tornado. so it's going to be interesting what they do with the X-Men moving forward because you technically have to do this to almost all of them yeah especially because they have really strong powers yeah and with Wanda and with Doctor Strange we're going to expect them to show up at level 100 when they're introduced I don't think people are going to be happy with them being like um, I just think I discovered something about myself. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to want them like, nah, Jean and Wanda are going to destroy each other. And yeah. like the first scene, like that's what we want. We see that Jean was able to fix Cerebro because she's extremely smart. And she uses it to learn where Magneto is heading. And it's Liberty Island. And that he's going to use his machine to basically mutate all the world leaders because there is a summit on nearby Ellis Island. So we have the location for our third act. And it's a Statue of Liberty, which is very fitting. Yes. (laughs) The X-Men arrive and we basically just get our... Probably just like it just feels like the second action scene in the entire movie. It does, yeah. And Mystique is just kicking butt. She really has a very signature style of fighting in the films. And I really like it. She's very that's how I would fight. If I had the abilities to. Mm-hmm. If we were just being honest. The shot of when she transforms into Wolverine and she jumps and twists and transforms halfway through. Oh my god, like, it's just so good. (laughs) My little gay self couldn't handle it when I was 11. (laughs) (laughs) We see that Jean is suffocated by Toad's phlegm, and I actually had this toy. It used to be a little Jean Grey, and she was kind of like in a standoff pose, and you would cover her in a plastic goo and she had a face covering over the her little doll and you would push a button and it would pop off and it came with a cyclops toy and you would push the back of him and his eyes would light up so it was just recreating that scene and i bought it at kv toys at stonewood mall in lakewood it was so good yeah (laughs) these toys that they came up with were so good it was like they don't do that as much anymore as they did in like the 90s and early 2000s of tie-in toys but i don't know i'm not a child anymore so (laughs) well neither am i but i still buy toys and i feel like everything has shifted over to collectors yeah and it's really frustrating because the toys don't seem to be built to be played with i have athena action figure that I bought at Target and she comes with these cool accessories but she's not designed to be played with very well and I don't know if it's just because we're having 
the shortages of supplies when you go to Target or things like that, but it just feels like there really isn't that many toys because their toy section is so small. Yeah. Like I had, I went in there and I'm like, where are the Encanto toys? Like there's like a Maribel doll and like, that's it. It almost feels like they make all the money licensing to Lego. Yeah, for sure. Because that is the one thing that there's never short of is Lego sets. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, yeah, like dolls or things like that. I don't really see them. Little action figures. I don't see that that many. We then see that Storm has to battle it out with Toad. And we get probably the most iconic line in cinematic history. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. That line is so good. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make any sense, but legend has it that it was just a running gag that Toad was going to have. Because he hardly has any lines. He probably has like two. Yeah. And they were just cut, but they left this. And you know what? At this point, the girls that get it, get it. And the ones that don't, don't. (laughs) But even here, like Storm looks like she literally has to figure out how do I pretend that I'm controlling the weather? Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, I feel like a lot of these characters either don't know how to use their powers or the studio didn't know how to make it look like they have powers that they seem very new at everything that they're doing. Yeah. It's always the same hand pose or they just look like Carrie where they just stand there with their eyes bulging. Yeah. (laughs) So I think now they've gotten a lot better. Like Dr. Strange has this way of doing magic that is different than the way Wanda does it. So I think... I think it's going to be good when it finally, like, does it, does it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was different in Age of Apocalypse, but I haven't seen that movie yet because I'm just a casual fan. <laughs> <laughs> so they scale up the Statue of Liberty, and Magneto makes sure that everybody is strapped in nice and tight. And he's really smart, the way that he basically nerfs everybody in that moment. Yeah. He's in a in a place full of copper so Storm can't do anything. We put the claws where they're nice and safe for Wolverine, and he basically tells Scott to cover his eyes. So that leaves Jean, which it probably just lets us know that she's on her third week of mastering her powers. (laughs) 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 Like, everyone here just discovered they were mutants like three days ago. Yeah. We see Magneto start the machine. We see the people start running. We see Wolverine free himself and everyone else. Cyclops blasts Magneto away. We see Logan figure out a way to help Rogue. He transfers his powers over to her. She uses the healing abilities to rejuvenate herself while basically killing him. But he's mostly just in a coma. Yeah. And it's just funny because literally, yeah, it all, it all ties up like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I really like that shot of Wolverine doing that flip on 
the statue's crown tip. Yeah. There's not a lot of action, but I feel like they had a lot of fun with those little shots. It was very mm-hmm. animated. They didn't care about the loss of physics back then. No, for sure. Like now it's like, <laughs> mm, that's not how physics works. And it's like, <laughs> um, he has metal claws coming out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> we see that Professor X and Wolverine recover from their comas. The group learns that Mystique has escaped. And she's impersonating Senator Kelly because she is the smartest person in the room. Yeah. She knows that just because the plan didn't work, that she has time to rest. We see that Professor X gives Wolverine a lead on his past. And he basically is going to head to an abandoned military base in Canada. So, like I said, establishing the sequel. (laughs) and Magneto is imprisoned in a complex prison cell made completely out of plastic and we see that Professor X has paid him a visit doesn't he never wake you in the middle of the night the feeling that someday they will pass that foolish law or one just like it come for you and your children What do you do when you wake up to that? I feel a great swell of pity for the poor soul who comes to that school looking for trouble. Why do you come here, Charles? Why do you ask questions to which you already know the answers? Like, once again, Magneto is not wrong. Yeah. It's like he knows that they're not going to stop, that you can't use logic on people that aren't thinking logically. And they're basically being driven by fear. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I love wishful thinking. Trust me, wishful thinking is great. But when they have the ability to systematically oppress a group wishful thinking that's nothing yeah and it's basically like xavier has picked a side and it's like well yes we want the mutants to be free but we want to be the model minority (laughs) because it's like wait so you guys put a lot of effort into fighting magneto but you don't put that same amount of effort into combating the other stuff yeah (laughs) Like, if Professor X and his X-Men put in a quarter of the effort into actually doing something, maybe Magneto wouldn't feel the need to do what he does. Yeah. And we basically see that Magneto loses the game of chess because he's, Professor X sees what's going on as a giant chess game 
And Magneto's like, you're bringing a chessboard to a gun battle. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. I love that his wheelchair was made out of plastic. Everything was made out of plastic. It was really cool to see his prison made out of complete plastic because he can't get out. I just want to know, how far does a metal object have to be before he can't do anything with it, right? I don't know the stats. I'm not like that kind of a a nerd, but I'm I'm just curious, like how far does that have to be in order for him not to be able to do anything? Mm Mm-hmm. So, Eddie, after discussing this film, have your feelings about it changed? Um, They haven't changed. I appreciate this film for what it is. It's very iconic. And seeing this series come to life growing up with the animated show was really cool. So... Yeah, I still love it. It's very nostalgic and it kind of still holds up nowadays. It's very simple storyline, very simple storyline, not very complex and a lot of iconic moments and memorable characters that I'm excited to see what the MCU brings. Yeah, I also like that it's not a world ending event. It's very local, right? He was only going to do the people of Ellis Island. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he was trying to do the whole city, but if he could just do that, that was, like, the plan. And I think that works for a very, for the first movie. Yeah. Because you have so many characters you have to introduce. I know, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy did a great job at ha- handling an ensemble cast. But when you make them all jerks, it's pretty easy. Right? Yeah. What are their wants and needs and desires? Who cares? They're jerks. (laughs) With them, it's like, okay, this is completely different. Everyone has powers that need to be explained. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. So who is your favorite character? That's a hard one because... Is it though? (laughs) (laughs) Remember, this yes. is this is an X2. This is X-Men. It's not that hard in X-Men. <laughs> I'm going to go with Mystique because she was a badass. One of my favorite moments is seeing that fight scene with her and Wolverine. Yeah. So, when yeah. he cuts her claws off, I'm like, wait, the, what part of her body got cut off? Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What about you? For me, it's going to have to be Mystique as well. Her fighting was the only thing that was unique in this whole movie. Everyone else kind of did the same thing. They stand in one spot and look constipated. She had a, a fighting style. And you can tell that she was the main focus of it because even the camera angles, whenever she was on camera was always kind of stylized. It was never really yeah. just front and center. She was always being filmed from different angles. And I'm pretty sure it was to just show off the gorgeous makeup work they did on her. She yeah. was half naked in this film. 
and she spends so much time on the makeup chair, she truly deserves all the love that we are giving her. Yes. And, I mean, that shot of her transforming in that helicopter, oh, iconic. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your favorite, basically, your favorite scene in the movie? Uh, Like I said just a bit ago, it was that fight with her and Wolverine. Seeing her jump and turn into Mystique in kind of like a slow motion scene, like, yeah, it was so cool. Like, they got her powers on point, and I feel like this was the only mutant that they were able to get their powers right without having them look like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. No, I remember that shot being in the trailer of her jumping and spinning and transforming. What about you? Same. It's going to have to be that. Mystique is... I think the reason why we also like Mystique is because she's the most colorful in this film of all black. Mm-hmm. I I do think that The Matrix changed the way that movies were made for a, for a long time. I mean, even Wolverine makes a comment about it when he's having to wear that black uniform. And Scott's like, would you prefer yellow spandex? And then, like, everyone lost their mind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm hoping we get more color when they eventually make their way into the main MCU. Yes. So, Eddie, what are we discussing next time? Next time we are continuing our... Fox Marvel movies with the 2005 classic Fantastic Four. I am excited. I saw this one in the theater as well, and I have not I have not watched this movie probably since 2008. <laughs> I probably haven't watched it since I watched it for the first time in the theater. So it's been a while. Yeah, same here, but no, definitely it's always fun to check out the legacy films. And with that, I have been your host, Irving. And your host, Eddie. And this has been Discussing Marvel, a casual fan podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you have, thank you so much. Share us with your Marvel-loving friends and help us get discovered. And join us next time as we discuss 2005's Fantastic Four. <laughs>